Hello and welcome to the Weekly Reel Podcast. My name is Ken. And my name is Jeremy. And uh, this week we are going to be spending some time in Eminem's hometown of Detroit as we talk about the new Steven Soderbergh film, No Sudden Move. But before we do that, let's get right into our podcast ritual, Jeremy. And uh, for those of you who are checking out our podcast for the first time, our podcast ritual is where we discuss or actually uh, share one notable movie or TV show that we've watched over the past week. And so, Jeremy, what is that one show or movie? I remember uh, I was texting with you, right? And then you you texted me like saying, oh, I have a feeling because uh, uh, I, I kind of previewed last week or I don't I don't remember actually that I said I, I watched the movie that pretty much I've been meaning to watch and everyone's been telling me to watch since it came out. Did you want to take a quick guess before I reveal? Oh, yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to just guess that it's on HBO Max. And I remember last week, my original guess was The Aviator. Mm. Okay, so it's actually going to be Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I was right. It is it is on HBO Max. <laughs> it is. Yeah, you knew. I was like, oh, he's not going to get it. He's going to think it's on Netflix. But ooh, I, I was getting like, uh-oh. HBO Max, but yeah, Crazy Rich Asians. I finally got to see the whole thing um, on HBO Max, and I want to say it's probably my favorite romantic movie in like a long time. Like this scene, it's very. I think it would be pretty rewatchable, and I liked all the characters pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it was it was fun, but at the same time, not like too goofy or anything. And not so melodramatic, you know, in some in parts that need to be. It was very light, fun, but at the same time, you found all the characters like charming and all that stuff. So I really liked it. Plus, you get some of uh, you get the feels in certain uh, scenes, you know, like that whole uh, when they're singing uh, "Fools Rush In" uh, with that uh, that version, that cover, which was pretty cool. And then it's like, uh oh, why is there flooding happening? And then all of a sudden, I was like, nope, it's because they're just filthy rich. They just busted out with a makeshift, uh, was it river or pond yeah. or something like that? That was pretty crazy. <laughs> that, so that cinematic, wedding, right? Yeah, that wedding was freaking crazy, man. Like, the whole movie is, is like, beautifully shot, yeah. beautifully set up. Everyone's, like, wardrobe. Obviously, because everyone's, like, rich as hell. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like... Even though we've seen rich people in movies before, but wow, just the way that like they they uh, set that whole up, they because there is that dynamic between um, the two leads. That's like that's pretty much the the crux of the whole movie is how how extravagant are these people really? <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it goes into like freaking one hundred and ten percent of how rich they are. Yeah, I I, I love that each of the characters had their own personalities. Um, Henry Golding's character, Nick Young, not to be confused with uh, Swaggy P, (laughs) comes off as very likable. um, And uh, I mean, I feel like every character is so distinct. I'm not even afraid to admit it. Uh, You know, like you said, it was uh, probably one of my favorite romantic comedies of all time, really. I've probably have seen this movie close to 10 times already. Uh, it's been that good. Like, if I need to watch something in the background and just have something playing in the background, something a little bit lighter or 
or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's one of those movies that I play, especially since it's been on HBO Max for a while now. Yeah, and I guess kind of being biased, just because they're Asian too. I was like, yes. you know, it makes that movie even better, at least for 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 me. But uh, yeah, I did not feel any cringeworthiness compared to like. The Notebook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God damn that first part of the Notebook, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely rewatch this movie, and uh, I definitely wouldn't even consider it a guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure yeah. to watch. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know what? Uh, I'm not sure if you know. It's a part of a book series, so mm-hmm. uh, I've really been waiting for uh, the the follow up to it because it seemed like you know the. You, you watch the post credits, right? Yeah, yeah. They were setting up a sequel, pretty much. Yeah, they were setting up. Uh, I, man, I forgot her. It's it has been a, a few months since I've seen it, but the cousin, the mm-hmm. the one that everyone loves, uh, they were setting her up to be, I guess, the uh, the main protagonist of the next uh, installment. I think that I would definitely want to see that movie, and hopefully, it's still happening. I I should probably do some research on that. Yeah, I know that they uh, kind of ran into some, um, I guess, problems or whatever. I I, f- I forget the uh, particulars or whatever, and I could be completely wrong, but uh, there were, um, yeah, there was. There's something uh, going on with like the writing and the directing uh, of who would do the uh, the sequel and everything, and there's just a lot of stuff going on. Um, so that's why there's been this delay. So I don't think they've announced a sequel officially yet. But I mean, just based off of the fact that it made uh, a boatload of money and it was uh, well received by everyone, it seems like, and it made a crap ton of money. Why not have that sequel come out as soon as possible? Hurry up! <laughs> yeah, especially if it's basically like a separate story or a side story. Not really a side story because, um, what's her name? I just remember it's Gemma Chan's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because she's gonna be the new Eternals um had a huge part in that movie i didn't expect that and um you know they i don't think they would lose anything in making a sequel because i don't think that would ruin the story of the first one yeah because i feel like they're going to um they're gonna still bring back a lot of the cast or whatever but they're just gonna focus on astrid i quickly look there at, you uh, go astrid. At, at, yeah and every time i hear astrid the name it reminds me of the office astrid <laughs> for you michael scott <laughs> I, I think of Ad Astra with Brad Pitt for some reason. Oh, wow. The two different things for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. How well, about you, man? What would you watch? Well, well, you know what? The movie that I uh, watched, well, um, and I think I, I mentioned this maybe about a month ago, several episodes ago, you know, on, on weeks where it's just crazy um, with uh, a lot of, you know, work or anything else that, I'm, that I've got going on. Um, I try to watch something. That's a little bit lighter, a little bit funnier, and a lot of the times it's going to be a rewatch. And so, I'm going to test your, uh, I guess, your knowledge base by kind of giving a, I guess, one of the major quotes or you know, most popular quotes from this movie. Mm. I'll be, I'll be like this: shake and bake. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know which movie I'm talking about? Oh man, you haven't watched the movie then. Maybe not, huh? Oh, shoot. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, this might be a future episode then. Is it on HBO Max? <laughs> no, surprisingly. I'm going two weeks in a row on Netflix. Oh, okay. um, the movie that I want to share is Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, 
starring um, Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. John C. Riley, and among others. There's a lot. There's actually a lot of recognizable character. Uh, I guess named actors. I was like, oh man, Amy Adams is in it too. Um, the reporter from the first Iron Man is in it. I forgot her name. Uh, well. I just remember that movie though. It, like back in high school, one of my friends would always watch it, so I would get snippets. And he's he's always like, "Oh, this is my favorite movie of all time," pretty much because he loves Will Ferrell. Um, <laughs> but I never watched the movie in its entirety, just like snippets, because you know me, like comedies uh, are always like hit or miss with me. And uh, Will Ferrell's movies, I guess, were always like hit or miss with me. So I never really gave that one a shot yet. I feel like this one is, uh, it's easily top three. It might be my favorite because of its rewatchability. Because I, I can I can see how Will Ferrell can kind of wear on people. It's like, okay, he's either your cup of tea in terms of comedy or or he's not. I could see him being really annoying to certain people or whatever because, you know, he could maybe overdo it or whatever. Yeah. He could tend to overact, I guess. But he is who he is. I I enjoy Will Ferrell, uh, most of his movies anyway. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I'll give you a little bit of a minor spoiler. <laughs> you know, like he's with his and he's just, you know, he's Will Ferrell. And Ricky Bobby, that's the character he plays. He likes to, you know, he he says grace, you know, whenever they <laughs> whenever they pray for the food. And so I'm going to give you the beginning of one of his graces. He goes, Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn baby Jesus, don't even know a word yet, just a little infant, so cuddly, but still omnipotent. <laughs> little stuff like that just makes me crack up. It's probably very <laughs> blasphemous, uh, but especially since we're kind of both religious, but he cracks me up, dude. That, I mean, if, as long as like the, the script and the, the jokes are like funny, I'll definitely give it a shot. And you said it's on Netflix, right? So mm, who knows? We'll see. Maybe we'll save it for a future episode, or uh, I might have to check it out on my own. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I I think you'll get some laughs. I mean, some of it's probably going to be overdone or whatever, but um, yeah, I <laughs> I enjoy it anyway. But anyway, that that was the movie that I wanted to uh, talk about this week. So uh, before we get into no sudden move, uh, let's do a little bit of episode cleanup, Jeremy. And so last week, episode thirty six. We did talk about F9, the Fast Saga, and this past, uh, actually earlier, uh, we, we kind of ran the poll a little bit earlier on uh, Monday night. Um, we ran the f- uh, F9 poll. Uh, do you actually want to reveal what the poll was and what the results were? Yeah, so we asked on uh, on our social medias, what is your favorite movie from the Fast and Furious franchise? So that included uh, some of the choices we had. We kind of grouped them together just in case, you know, we can't put that many in the poll, uh, like on Twitter. But uh, you can choose from F1 through 3, F4 through 6, F7 through 9, or Hobbs and Shaw. (laughs) And obviously, like, I I didn't want to name out all of them because they have the most confusing names of all time. Next to like, I don't know, Sony devices. <laughs> so, yes. Basically. Oh my goodness! All Sony devices. I and I have headphones and I love them, but my goodness, they're uh, they're just random letters and numbers, and they're like 
like a dozen characters. Yeah, yeah something crazy. like Sony XM four thousand X two. <laughs> Some you know something weird like that. Yeah, they always end it with a Mark two. <laughs> yeah. <whatever. laughs> uh, but what you guys chose on our social medias, fifty six percent went to F four through six. So that you you know you probably chose between um, Tokyo Drift, Fast Five, or Fast and Furious Six. Is that what they called it? <laughs> no, no, no. Tokyo Drift is actually the, actually the third one. Third. So, oh yeah, fourth is um, Fast and the, Furious. It's Fast and Furious. Yeah. yeah. It is basically <laughs> it. At the time, I thought it was just a reboot. I was like, wait, I thought Fast and the Furious was the first one, but no. The first one's the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. <laughs> the fourth one is Fast and Furious. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh man. Just like Predator, Predator and the Predator. <laughs> Jesus. Uh but yeah. So you guys chose between uh basically 56% of you chose between those three movies. And uh some other ones were pretty interesting too. I think the second place was uh F one through three, which kind of makes sense. I, I would probably understand that also. You know, you know how I voted. It was one through three because of too fast, too furious. That's definitely your your freaking guilty pleasure, huh? It is. It's not even a guilty pleasure, man. I'm so <laughs> proud of that thing because we hungry. Dang, man. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like what I like. But anyway, uh, uh, just want to remind everyone again. Every Tuesday following our main show on Mondays, we do run a uh, poll. And uh, Jeremy, do you want to share where they can follow the Weekly Real Podcast on the social medias? Yeah, you can follow us at Weekly Real on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And polls every Tuesday. Yes, (laughs) polls every Tuesday. So this week, Jeremy, we meet Curtis Goins. I think that's how you say his last name. Curtis Goins, played by Don Cheadle, uh, who had recently been released from prison. He, along with two other individuals, are tasked with a simple job. But things don't play out as planned in the newly released Steven Soderbergh film, no sudden move. And so, again, with every episode that we do have, we want to issue our customary spoiler warning. It's actually legit because it just came out earlier this month. Uh, it's currently out in theaters and it is also streaming on HBO Max. Still not sponsored. And so, Jeremy, uh, we finally got to watch another. Well, we got to watch another new movie. It's been a couple of we've actually been on a good run. Um did you have any like I don't know expectation expectations or uh, first impressions kind of going into watching No Sudden Move? You know when it started with the whole like uh, kind of retro vibe and all that stuff, it did remind me remind me of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Just like the kind of the pep to it step, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just kind of that that feel to it. I was like, oh man. First impressions, I'm like, okay, this is going to be pretty interesting. Just that that first initial scene when you see Don Cheadle walking through the street or uh, Kurt walking through the street uh, with the whole like fisheye lens and all that stuff. I was like, oh, this is pretty interesting. All right, I'm getting into it. Um, but kind of expectations, I knew we were going to get good, at least decent performances just because of the cast that's involved. Um, 
And it did not disappoint because every time like a new character is introduced, you're like, hey, I know that guy or I've seen that guy before. Right. But wasn't so, it, uh, I mean, kind of going off of what you're talking about, wasn't it like uh, sometimes didn't it feel like, it's like, wait, I know that guy, but wait, why does he look a little different? Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, does that make up or is it like something, whatever? Or it's like, yeah, he just looks a little bit different. It's kind of And I, I feel like I know who you're talking about. And you're talking about Brendan Fraser. <laughs> you know what's weird? I've seen Brendan Fraser recently, and I guess not recently. It was in a show. I don't know if I mentioned it actually. On first season, it was it's a TV show TV show called uh, Condor, and he was actually a, a pretty big ca- character in that. Mm-hmm. Was it Condor? Shoot, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Brendan Fraser, and uh, so I I didn't look. He he didn't surprise me too much. Dude, he surprised the heck out of me. Um, Brendan Fraser plays a character named Jones, and he's actually the one that recruits. Um, well turns out to be uh kurt uh, russo and charlie right those are the first three guys that mm-hmm. he recruits and i remember you know kind of going through like the actor list when i was previewing um this week's episode last week and i was like wait wait is that brendan fraser at first i could have sworn he was in a fat suit i didn't realize he had gained that much weight and I, I later found out that he gained all that weight for a different role and it just so happens that he just played this role as well and and i guess it fits but i literally did a it was a triple take it was more than a double take i know that i was like wait, wait is that brendan Fraser? It, it threw me off for a little bit so i think i had to kind of rewind to catch up on the, some of the dialogue because i didn't want to miss what was going on yeah he definitely looked like that that mafia mm-hmm. type you know what I mean, in this movie. So he definitely fit the role, too. But I'm kind of surprised, I guess, spoiler alert, that he kind of goes out the way he does. I was like, oh, dang, he just yeah. kind of dies in the firefight. I'm like, what? But it, at the same time, he was a bit of like the, uh, like his dark horse, I guess. It's like, oh, you kind of know he's going to go out at some point in this movie. Yeah, it, it it not only he dies in the middle of a fight, it was just kind of off to the side as well. It's like, oh wait, did he did he get taken out? <laughs> I wasn't too sure. I had to rewind it. Yeah, but obviously there's a lot of well, not there's a good amount of deaths in this movie that might surprise you. So, mm-hmm. and definitely we'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. And so, uh, Jeremy, did you have any overall thoughts on? I mean, it could be the story, it could be like aspects of the movie, some of the performances. Um, what kind of immediately jumped out at you um, when as you were watching No Sudden Move? You know, I actually because uh, I watched it day one, pretty much uh, the Friday it came out, and. I really did like it when it, when it came out, but I think as it's gone on, maybe a little less, I guess. Um, the hype's gone down a little bit. I still do feel like I've enjoyed it. I feel like my favorite part was the almost, not buddy cop, but kind of like the relationship between um, uh, Kurt and Ronald, I yeah. think was my favorite part. Just because yeah. they're, they're characters, I like the way they kind of butt heads. But at the same time, they have like this mutual respect for each other at the same time. But at the same time, they don't trust each other enough 
the right. point. Of, well, because they're <laughs> they're both criminals and they yeah. are just like in the beginning of the movie, they're just meeting for the very first time. Yeah, so I love just like the way their stories kind of intertwine and even just how they end. I'm like, uh, you know, in the end, they, they kind of just, they backstab each other or Don Cheadle actually <laughs> backstabs him. But well, he was, he expected it. <laughs> yeah, but then he, yeah, they both, expect, like every time they, they cross each other pretty much, they're like, oh, I guess this is it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, like I, I love their dynamic too, just because uh, they were different, but then they, they did, I feel like they uh, kind of knew where, where they were coming from, even though they had uh, different backgrounds. Um, I realized it uh, when I, uh, I realized it upon rewatch that you know, like in the beginning when they were kind of setting up like the dynamic within Detroit, they were talking about like the Italians and, and the blacks. You know, obviously they kind of represent both sides of it, and so. Um, it's like some of the stuff that you don't really pick up. And you know what? It's funny you mentioned that you liked it a lot. And then, you know, as time has kind of gone on, it's kind of waned a little bit. And honestly, for me, it's the exact opposite. I feel I felt a little bit disappointed when I when I did watch the film the first time. And I don't know if it was because I watched it uh, and I was a little t- uh, more tired and I was kind of kind of zoning in and out a little bit for the dialogue scenes, you know, especially parts where, you know, it was a little bit quieter. Um, and, but I think the more I've watched it, um, I, I watched it a second time just to make sure that I didn't miss anything f- in preparation for this episode. I got to appreciate it a little bit because, you know, knowing the plot and just paying attention to uh, some of the nuances of the dialogue, I got to appreciate it a little bit more because, you know, you kind of already know what the, you know, what the twists are and you already know what to expect. So you get to focus on that. And so I feel like for me, uh, the more you watch it, the more you'll be able to appreciate the, the, uh, the story and the plot. Ooh, maybe I need to rewatch it again, but I do feel like I really enjoyed the first half of the movie more than I did the second half. Mm. Not saying I didn't like the second half cause I, I still did like the second half, but I, really like the the setup and the whole house dynamic that they had in the beginning. Yes, I agree there as well. In the middle it kind of drags a little bit. I feel like it picks up at the end. Um once you get to figure out what their uh some of the character motivations were, especially for a guy like Kurt um Goins and and uh Russo since they were out of all out of everyone, they ended up being I guess the headliners, the two main characters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because when they have that reveal, just later on, man, we're gonna we're gonna mention it a little bit later. Actually, I, I, I assume. Actually, you know, I I did mention there's gonna be a kind of a bonus topic, and I'm glad you set me up. <laughs> with, <laughs> uh, you're talking about Matt Damon. He wasn't even listed. I it was crazy how he was not listed, and I feel like that was intentional uh, in the beginning credits. And so there's a little bit of a spoiler. Matt Damon does make an appearance late in the movie. And so I feel like out of the three that popped into my head when I was coming up with uh, the, the outline for this episode, Jeremy, we've got three that immediately come out. Saving Private Ryan, Interstellar, and No Sudden Move. What was your favorite late appearance by Matt Damon in a supporting role? <sighs> 
Shoot, man. <laughs> That's hard. Uh, I would... This is uh, the one in No Sudden Move, though. When he plays... What's his first name? Is it Mike Lowen? Yes. Mike Lowen, right? So it, it reminds me of how Samuel L. Jackson always ends up being that and Samuel L. Jackson character mm-hmm. um, in the movies. But this time, they didn't even list Matt Damon. And I was waiting... Like, every time they were uh, mentioning um, Frank Capelli... Uh-huh. And I thought that was going to end up being um, Matt Damon. Because <laughs> we knew Matt Damon was in the movie. So we're just, oh, it's a, only a matter of time. And then they show it's a Ray Liotta's Ray character. Yeah. I'm like, oh, when's Matt Damon going to come? Uh, and so when they revealed uh, Matt Damon in this, I was like, okay, this fits. But in terms of my favorite, I still feel like... Uh, I still feel like it's Interstellar. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was going to say Saving Private Ryan, but I think he's he's not on the poster or anything, but his name is on the poster, isn't it? On Interstellar? Uh no, for um Saving Private Ryan. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, he he is, but it's crazy yeah. because we don't see him and he's actually the the named <laughs> actor of which the the movie is named after Saving Private Ryan. He is Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah. So I would still say Interstellar though, because it was out of nowhere. Because you knew you were gonna see Private Ryan eventually, then. But it was we just by that point in the movie, you didn't know it was actually gonna be Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would probably say Interstellar just because he was also a villain in that movie too. Because at first I was like, oh, it's the savior of the movie. He's going to save Matthew McConaughey and all that stuff. But he ends up just like turning on him because yeah. uh, he he went crazy and all that stuff. Well, I love the setup for Interstellar because that one's also my favorite. But remember, in, in, throughout the movie, especially in the middle, when they're trying to figure out which planet to it's like, oh, Dr. Man, he's the best of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and obviously he wasn't but i feel like and, and i'm surprised you haven't mentioned it the best part of that or one of my favorite yep. parts of the movie is when they reveal him and that he lovingly i mean i think i mentioned it earlier on one of the earlier episodes of the weekly reel i love it when he just lovingly just cries in matthew mcconaughey's arms he's like <laughs> <laughs> And then we always love to mention freaking Nolan, uh, Christopher Nolan's cuts, and then it just cuts him in a space blanket. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yep. I love that one. Yeah, but you know what? I think no sudden the no sudden move one would have been better had we not seen Matt Damon's yeah. name on IMDb. I think it would have hit almost as hard just because it is a Steven Soderbergh movie, and you know, I felt like when they did reveal him, it did remind. It, it did remind me of his characters in the Ocean series where they, you know, they have that peppy like jazz music playing in the background. And then mm-hmm. it, it would just remind me of Linus, uh, his character from uh, from Oceans, because it seemed like he was, you know, playing Linus, but in disguise. It was weird. Yeah, it was it was definitely like a, a almost like amalgamation of different uh matt matt damon characters <laughs> it was a bit weird i was like it kind of reminds me of like the certain character he played or you know what i mean like you said um and i honestly thought he was gonna die just by the end of that scene because <laughs> mm-hmm. 
we've seen uh matt damon die in movies before <laughs> yes obviously yeah so but, i was like oh he might die in this he did a really good job in for the uh, short amount of time that he did uh i felt like he uh he just kind of carried the the end of that film and that's why i thought it picked up towards the end of the film yeah because there was definitely like this charisma about him obviously it's matt damon that you need in that final act of the movie to bring that tension between uh, Russo and uh, Goins. Yep, exactly. And so, um, Jeremy, let's get right into our topics. Um, and so, I mean, I think I feel like we usually bring this topic up, especially on a brand new release. And so, topic one, we're going to bring it back binge or cringe. And so, Jeremy, uh, do you want to share? One moment that made no sudden move. Binge-worthy. Binge-worthy. I would definitely say the house uh, house scene. Basically, the, these robbers with these weird white masks. <laughs> I think <laughs> that was so funny to watch at the same time. But it's like you, at least with Russo and um, Goins, it's like you, you feel like they don't really want to hurt him. I guess... Uh, What's his name? Charlie was the one that was the the loose cannon of the group for yeah. sure. Um, but just that that sequence when they were saying like, "Oh, ma'am, just do whatever you would do on in uh, what, what was it Tuesday morning, Monday morning? Monday. It was Monday morning. Yeah, it was Monday. Yeah. So yeah, do whatever you do on a Monday morning. It's like, would you say that on a Monday morning? All that type <laughs> of stuff. Um, <laughs> and I just love that whole like first heist not really heist but i guess it is heist uh setup for the movie so my favorite binge worthy moment is actually a little bit uh later on but it's still within that same setting it's that scene where kurt eventually pops charlie um and because i felt like it brought me back to um another matt damon movie the departed when all of a sudden they popped uh leo dicaprio's uh I felt like it was a little bit more telegraphed, just kind of re, you know looking at it again. But I felt like it was. It, it, I felt like after that scene where Kurt kills Charlie, just out of all of a sudden, I felt like that's when the the movie picks up. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I I thought it was just crazy, and you could see what the actual motivations were because you know they were just there just to to babysit, really. Um, because was it uh jones that was brendan yeah yeah Yeah, jones Mm -hmm. yeah jones you know obviously had ulterior motives and everything so you get to see uh if you think about it from uh each of the characters perspective you kind of see what their motivations and were and you know they were really just there to just keep the peace or whatever but yeah i thought that was the scene that was crazy to me yeah i definitely think that with the caliber of cast that they had, I think a, a slight binge-worthy thing too, just un, I guess underrated, would just be uh, every character is unique, and you can see that with their motivations and all that stuff. They were were able to like showcase that because in some movies, a lot of people like they just blend together. Uh, some characters like you just don't care for or don't really care for their for their motivations. But for this one, because of like the the cast, they're able to per- portray their characters' motivations like really well. Yeah, they they were definitely intertwined very well. Plus, you get that whole Steven Soderbergh uh, type of feel 
um there's always that stylized he's got his you know his his style of filmmaking and everything and, and obviously we'll get into that in, in just a little bit but um it reminded me of a lot of the you know the oceans movies uh i forget there was that one jennifer lopez movie with uh george clooney i forget the name it kind of escapes me right now what was it called out of sight i think is it out of sight mm. hold on it it is out of sight actually and oh. and uh yeah i felt like uh both uh this was it came out in the late 90s uh and both were in their prime but it was it's one of those really sexy movies because of the way it's filmed and you know um sexy cast um it's this one's a little bit different just because i felt like everyone see, just seemed a little bit old <laughs> you know what i mean i felt like <laughs> don true. Cheadle looked probably the best out of all the named actors that were on on the headline you know what i mean well him and david harbour i thought david harbour looked really good yeah, I was like, dang, David Harbour looking slim in this movie, man. <laughs> getting ready for, uh, well, I was going to say getting ready for um, uh, Stranger Things four? the next season, four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, he, I don't know, man. He's going to be in a Russian prison. Maybe he needs to look a little bit skinnier because they haven't been feeding him in there. Yep. They get <laughs> that and I feel like, uh, oh, wait, he was looking a little bit... Um, I guess heftier though in in the Black Widow. Black Widow, right? Because right? he's um he's just like an older version, Russian version of Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh I don't know. David Harvard looked really good. So I mean both he and uh, Don well Don Cheadle always looks the same. It's pretty crazy yeah. how he doesn't really age. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. Unless he just looks totally different, like in um was that Rush Hour One? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> no Rush Hour Two. Rush Hour Two. Yeah, I only yeah, know that because I, like, I recently watched it. I keep forgetting that was Don Cheadle. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right, Jeremy. Uh, you know what? Now that we've uh, mentioned uh, one binge-worthy moment from No Sudden Move, uh, what is your one cringe-worthy moment? Uh, well, for me, since it was a pre- pretty technically sound movie for me. Uh, but I think the not, it's not exactly cringeworthy, but the one part, I I guess it was a bit of a nitpick. I didn't actually know it was a true story. So it was a bit underwhelming to hear that it was just a, what was it, a ca- catalytic converter? Yeah, yeah. Out of all like the things, I'm like, whoa, I'm, <laughs> that's the MacGuffin of the movie, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. It's not like it's not like Pulp Fiction where it's like this glowing suitcase and all that stuff. You actually get to see what it was all about, and it was just like a, a car part. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like it, damn it. Yeah, it was a. Uh, I guess. Uh, I guess uh, an invention or whatever. You know, something to make uh, cars pollute less, especially since. I mean, we're talking about the '50s and everything, and so uh, mm-hmm. I would imagine uh, I would imagine technology technology wasn't that great. Yeah, and just uh, that excerpt at the end, pretty much, it seemed like they got away with that scandal for a long time. Yep, pretty much. Uh, well, my cringeworthy moment's not really a moment, but uh, a character. I felt like the most cringeworthy character was uh, Paula Cole, uh, who is Matt Wirt's uh, side piece. I felt like she was so annoying in that first office scene. Uh, first of all, she kept cutting him off, and I felt like whenever she would talk, she was always very condescending. And I guess, you know, he is kind of a loser. But man, I just, <laughs> I don't know. She just seemed like a Karen, and uh, she was a little bit of a gold digger. 
I don't know. I just really yeah. did not like her. <laughs> yeah, you would definitely see uh, basically she's almost like wearing the pants in that relationship mm. between the two of them. But then it's like, oh, as soon as she saw that he wasn't he wasn't man enough pretty much to break it off with uh, uh, his wife. She just threw him away pretty much and took the other guy. Yeah, Phil. <laughs> Which yeah, Phil. He was also <laughs> hey, a loser, Phil. too. You are one yeah. pathetic loser. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That was that was pretty cringeworthy, too. But uh, it seemed like uh, Mr. Wirtz, David Harbour, wasn't exactly a good guy. So I don't think he would have uh, attracted the, the most honest woman. I know. I did like that one line that Charlie had. It's like, oh, well, I know that you have the combo to the secretary. I was like, damn, that's actually pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was a good line. But, you know, what? let's get into our second topic. And uh, in season two of the Weekly Reel podcast, you know, we've covered a pretty wide range of movies. And uh, in two particular movies we've covered, both Zack Snyder and Steven Soderbergh have made some interesting filmmaking choices to give their respective visions a unique look. And so, Jeremy, from these two choices, The Army of the Dead with Zack Snyder's use of extreme depth of field to give that movie that kind of dreamy, disorienting look, or Steven Soderbergh's use of a vintage fisheye ultra-wide lens that you mentioned a little bit uh, a little while ago, to give it that warped look on each of the corners in no sudden move. So which filmmaking choice and stylized lens fit best with their respective project? Uh, I would actually say for me, uh, the fisheye lens with no sudden move, just because uh, I feel like it really fit, even though it looks like pretty distorted and all that stuff. Um, but I feel like it fit like the time period, the retroness of it. And you get those cool wide shots of whether it be like David Harbour walking through his office building or uh, Don Cheadle walking through the streets. I thought those looked really nice. I would have said Army of the Dead because I do like shallow depth of field, but I feel like he used it in the wrong instance too. I feel like Army of the Dead is a very like you should really appreciate the the background especially because i love Zack snyder's visuals he's definitely a visual filmmaker and just the fact to blur out his backgrounds i'm like bro dude that's like your greatest strength is your 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 cinematography so just to to blur that out in an action movie um i think was wasn't my choice that i would have put for army of the dead I don't know. I, I kind of enjoy it. I don't know. Just I'm a sucker for uh, ultra fast lenses or whatever. And, and I feel like, uh, I mean, he did want to kind of distort everything because, you know, you are at a place where you're just kind of trapped in within the confines of Las Vegas. And you're just like, oh, my goodness, you're just surrounded by, uh, diff- you know, zombies, whether they're alpha or uh, I forget what they were calling them, just like the normal looking zombies what yeah they had a name for me. <laughs> yeah it's, it's been yeah, a couple months already but i don't know i just felt like uh he did a good job i, I you know zach snyder gets a you know some he gets his fair share of criticism from me and um i felt like i i saw 
what his vision was, what he was trying to do, um, because there are times when it just feels a little claustrophobic and it's like, oh, wait, is this real or whatever? Because remember, in within Army of the Dead at the time, all the zombies were just kind of confined to that uh, to the city limits of Las Vegas. And so, yeah, I felt like when, you know, you're outside of it, uh, of, of Vegas, you know, it seemed kind of normal, but then right when you were kind of in the middle of it, you would feel panicked. I know I would, I'd be like, Holy crap, you know, what's going on. And, you know, I feel like, you know, you don't really have time to actually focus on a lot of these, you know, like the surroundings, you're just trying to, you're just trying to avoid dying, you know, especially when there's like a zombie tiger roaming around. <laughs> yeah. I definitely, I definitely could see that because in the characters aspect, but for me just watching all of Zack Snyder's other work, mm-hmm. um, which people don't really like sucker punch. Uh, I was actually going to make a video on that saying how I actually enjoy the movie Sucker Punch, but the visuals in that movie is actually really good. And I thought Army of the Dead was going to follow suit on that. Yeah. Well, agree to disagree. Uh, I, I thought it was, I thought it did look um, for Steven Soderbergh for no sudden uh, move. I, I thought it did. A, he did a really good job in terms of conveying um, I guess the time period was in the fifties, right. Uh, of, mm-hmm. um, you know, of Detroit and everything It just, there were times, especially when characters were off on the side where I was like, dang, they look really skinny. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh dang, they look really fat. And I felt like it was a little distracting at times. Uh, but I did, there are times when, like you said, they were showing off like the kind of the landscape uh, or like the setting of it. And it would do this, you know, when they would pan or whatever, it gave this pretty cool effect uh, of it. So it was, for me, it was more hit or miss. There were just times mm-hmm. when it was, it felt a little distracting. Um, but yeah. All right. Sounds, yeah, that sounds fair. Yeah. Jeremy, this is the part in our episode where we like to involve our audience. And, uh, you know, No Sudden Move is a heist movie uh, at its core. And um, I feel like uh, Steven Soderbergh has kind of his uh, hands. He, I feel like he, he does heist movies really well, obviously. And so we wanted to ask the audience, what is your favorite heist movie? Uh, do you actually have a favorite, Jeremy? You know, I was almost going to say National Treasure. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know uh, what? I feel like that's a little underrated. I enjoyed National Treasure, actually. National Treasure is underrated in some aspects. Uh, But I'm going to go with Baby Driver. Ooh, That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I still love Ocean's Eleven. um, Just because, again, another all-star cast. You get Steven Soderbergh. um, And, uh, yeah, you'll see how I think No Sudden Move compares to... A movie like Ocean's Eleven, and Ooh. so Jeremy, you know, if you if uh, audience if our audience wants to join in on the conversation, they can follow us on social media. Uh, what are what are the social medias? All right, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Weekly Real. Yes, and uh, if they want to email us, where can they email us? So it's going to be uh, weekly real podcast at comcast.net. 
<laughs> I don't know. You know what? You're getting closer, but somehow farther away. I don't know how that can <laughs> how that can be, but uh, it is weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. And so, Jeremy, let's take a quick break. We are back. And Jeremy, let's get right into our weekly real awards. And so actually the first award that we are going to give out is actually your choice. And so uh, the two awards that you can give out, or one of them anyway, you could choose from the I Am Groot Award for favorite character or the Malekith Award. We're bringing it back for most hated character. So Jeremy, which award are you handing out and uh, who's your winner? All right, man. I'm going to actually go with favorite character, so the I Am Groot Award. I'm going to give it to Ronald Russo, uh, played by Benicio Del Toro. He was a bit of a weird character, for sure. Uh, he, they kept mentioning like how not smart he is. <laughs> he doesn't really plan it out, but just the way like uh, he was surviving the whole movie. I loved like the way he was just getting out of it by the skin of his teeth, pretty much, and his his plans were actually working, uh, but in the end, <laughs> didn't work out for him. I was a bit sad. I'm like, dang, after all that, and he was definitely. I felt like the underdog of all the characters in like, in terms of planning and smartness. So there was a bit of a. Like, oh, root for the underdog guy. And then he didn't, but he ended up not making it. I know. That was actually a little bit surprising the way, I mean, if you think about it. I mean, if you don't really think about the actual way he died, I felt like, like, uh, you know, if you think about where his character started or whatever, that was probably the last way I thought he would die, being kind of double-crossed by uh, uh Vanessa, right? I keep mm-hmm. yeah, it's Vanessa, not Veronica. <laughs> it was it was yeah. what he what he called her to, uh, called her to throw throw um, Frank off off his scent a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely thought if any of the two like leads were going to die, I thought it was going to be uh, Kurt, Kurt Don Cheadle. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you kind of mentioned him. Well, I'm actually going to give Kurt Goins. The award for I Am Groot because he was my favorite. And so, I mean, if you think about uh, a couple weeks ago during our Shawshank Redemption episode, um, the reason why I chose Andy Dufresne, uh, played by Tim Robbins, as my favorite character and winner of the I Am Groot Award was because I felt like he was playing chess in that movie when everyone else was playing checkers. And I felt like, you know, I felt Kurt Goins was also playing his version of chess. Uh, I mean, obviously... By the end of the film, we kind of find out what his motivations were. Uh, but it turns out, you know, he just kind of wanted to get back into good graces with... Um, wait, what was the... Um, what was the character's oh, name? Oh, shoot. Uh, uh, dude, that was Mac from Predator. Pre- <laughs> yeah. And he was also in Co- uh, Commando. <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, Mac! Mac! <laughs> Um, what was his name? Shoot, I forgot his name. Uh, I have it here. It is crap. Aldrich Watkins. Oh yeah, Aldrich by Bill Duke. Yeah, by Bill Duke. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, it, yeah. and obviously Watkins was uh, named, uh, I guess, one of two of the, I guess, 
crime bosses or whatever within Detroit and everything. But I felt like, um, you know, eventually he wanted to just make sure that uh, it's like, hey, you know, here's that book back um, with, you know, all the transactions and all the stuff that Watkins had within, I guess, his, uh, you know, within his outfit, you know, his 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 crew and everything. And uh, it was pretty crazy and a little bit refreshing. You know, you think about like heist movies like that, where a lot of mo- uh, a lot of money is being involved you're thinking that, you know, he's, you know, always trying to escalate, you know, it started with what 5,000 and then he was, he moved up to what 25 a piece. Maybe it was like a 50,000 type thing. Then it became 125, mm. then eventually to 375. And we find out later on by the end of the film, he just wanted his 5k, which is kind of like his quote. It's pretty refreshing. Yeah. And that's, Definitely, if he asked for more than that, he probably wouldn't have survived. <laughs> yeah, but I, I even just the fact that he he made contact with I guess his uh, contact Lonnie within Watkins's uh, crew, or whatever. It's like, hey, you let Watkins know that we're gonna try to set this up. We're gonna make it seem like I'm gonna die or whatever. And really, his motivations were he just wanted to get to Kansas City and just kind of live that quiet life, you know, just uh you know, just to enjoy his freedom, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. All right. So, Jeremy, let's get into our next award. And you kind of talked about how No Sudden Move had its fair share of memorable deaths. And so let's give out the I Don't Feel So Good Award for Best Death. You did mention it a bit earlier. And I'm going to say, it, man, it's Charlie's death. The one that sets off the whole movie was definitely my favorite death of the movie because when he does that uh, departed ask headshot, <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot's about to go down right now, man. Definitely, that was my favorite death of the movie. Um, I didn't like when uh, I almost wanted to pick Russo's because the way he, like, he shoots his uh, flask. His flask. First. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, but at the same time, that made me go like, oh, dang. And he knew it, too. Um, but I would probably say Charlie's death. Yeah. He's definitely the one that, that set up the whole movie. Yeah, that's a good one. And you know why? Um, I actually, one of my underrated, I mean, if we were giving out the Yinsen Award this week, I would actually choose Charlie as uh, kind of my underrated character because of his how his death kind of sets up a lot of uh, the movie and kind of, kind of jumpstarts it a little bit. I have mentioned, uh, I may have been last week well, talking about succession, right? On on uh, mm. the newsreel. He's in that movie, uh, or, or I'm sorry, he's in that show, Kieran Culkin is, and he plays this very similar character. And I was getting, um, you know, kind of the same vibes from succession uh, in that. And I was like, man, he's totally playing the same character, kind of sleazy or whatever, kind of like very immature or whatever. He just likes to talk or whatever. But uh, obviously in this movie, he gets popped kind of early or whatever. I was like, oh, it's kind of sad to see him go. But I thought it was pretty good in this movie. And and that's why that is a really good death. Um, but I would have to go with Frank's death because it was the most satisfying. Because obviously they revealed that he ended up beating his wife. And dude, like she looked tore up. But for her to get her revenge was nice. It was satisfying, especially since, you know, he was already kind of messed up from that firefight uh, with um, with Russo and uh, Goins 
when they were trying mm-hmm. to, I guess, ambush him with uh, with Jones. Yeah, because obviously he was able to escape from the the trunk <laughs> of Russo and uh, and Kurt. So yeah, I think that was a pretty crazy headshot too. I'm like, dang, is everyone going departed right now? <laughs> I know that that it, it it caught me a little bit off guard too, and the fact that it was kind of dark as well. But I was like, oh, damn, he's going to get his reckoning. And I really did not like Ray Liotta's character anyway. So it was just a satisfying death. Yeah, just the way they they set that up. That was a good one. Yeah. All right, Jeremy, let's get into our next award. Uh, You know, we're going to give out uh, our Why is Gamora Award for favorite quote. Uh, Did you have one? Yeah, man, I kind of actually did it earlier is when they were in the home of uh, the Wirtz family's home. And... uh, Russo's like good morning like basically sneaks up on on the wife and all that stuff like this is a typical morning nothing changes okay now what would you do uh on a normal monday that she's like uh i would make breakfast uh, well there you go then it's like what do you want it's like then charlie's like is that something you would say on a normal monday <laughs> it's like it's so like that whole scene, I love how it's all casual, and I think the son even mentions it um, later. He's like, you know, why are we like just freaking talking like it's a normal conversation, pretty much? Uh, I love when bad guys basically act like the situation's all normal and chill and casual. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like that's when villains, in a way, I guess, like uh are smooth like that i like that about them yeah i like i even like how russo even offered hey do you want some sugar smacks or some tricks to uh (laughs) matthew jr (laughs) yeah oh so funny i I do like benicio del uh, toro's character in this he's so good uh but my winner um i actually um you know my favorite quote um and winner of the my why is gamora award is the uh, that quote near the end, uh, it's from Matt Damon's character, Mike Lowen. Uh, it's obviously kind of towards the end of, you know, that scene where he's talking to both Kurt and Russo and they're, um, and uh, actually during that time they're you know, they're having that montage of, you know, Naismith, you know, he shows up, uh, over there. And then all of a sudden later on Watkins and his crew shows up and, and, you know, it, it's pretty cool how they kind of intertwine that whole uh scene where it's just mainly just them talking it's a dialogue scene but then they kind of incorporate a little bit of a montage with these arrivals and then the scene starts to kind of wrap up with this meta quote from mike lowen and mike lowen says you know what i love when characters you've long since forgotten in this great novel called life show up at the end and the whole story gets filled right in. And I felt like that was a very meta quote because it, <laughs> it they just showed characters that you kind of forgot. And you forgot that uh, Kurt Goins already had that uh, re- uh, that arrangement through Lonnie with uh, with mm-hmm. Watkins about how, you know, the, you know, his plan was going to get going and everything. And you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot they had a deal with Naismith or whatever, even though I guess. Studebaker really didn't matter in the whole thing, uh, but mm-hmm. I just love that that scene, it, 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 that quote because it was uh, it was very meta. Yeah, that was a good one. Basically, Matt Damon, his whole scene is all good, pretty much, because he only has that one scene, pretty much, 
uh, and anything he was saying, he was he was definitely a smooth character for sure. But he was not a good guy <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, and he somehow became richer uh, because he ended up with uh, with Vanessa's money, his her life savings. Yeah, it's like oh. <laughs> How much was like there was extra? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he was supposed to lose three hundred seventy-five k. It looked like, and then he ended up uh, making some extra money, which was crazy because he in within that same kind of dialogue, he was talking about, oh yeah, I don't care if you know you get money or whatever, but you know what? Tomorrow I'm gonna make more money, and it's like, dude, he called the shot too. That's also an, another another quote that uh, that he was talking about. Yeah, and we we still haven't mentioned John Hamm or anything, but it's like freaking, he didn't even like get tempted to take that extra money from, from Matt Damon. So you know, you know, if he crosses Matt Damon, it's over. I know, and all he got was uh, that one bottle of liquor for what was it, eighty eight bucks or something like that. Yeah, it's like eighty. But then again, it is the the fifty, so I assume that's pretty expensive. Yeah, but like you're fifties, right? But, yeah, but you're talking about like. 500k almost yeah <laughs> yeah you could have given him like a thousand bucks or something at least come on now at least for being loyal come on that demon <laughs> oh man i did want to give a quick quick uh honorable mention to a kurt goins uh uh quote it's it's actually the very beginning when um when kurt uh russo and charlie meet for the first time and Charlie's explaining the job and what the score is. And then Charlie notices that Kurt's kind of looking at him. And he's like, Hey, what's with the fucking eye? And Kurt goes, well, sometimes when people lie, they tend to overexplain, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. And I was like, that's true. <laughs> that is true, man. It, it becomes really obvious when they just start to kind of ramble and everything. Well, anyway, Let's get into our next award, the Avengers Assemble Award for favorite scene. It's one of our favorite uh, awards that we do give out. Uh, what was your favorite scene, Jeremy? You know, one of my favorite scenes, and I guess it might be even underrated, I'm not sure, is when uh, Kurt and Ronald take uh, David Harbour's Matt to, what's his, the, the what's that place called? That guy? His boss? Oh, um, Mel Forbert. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, when they go to his home, and then they basically make uh, David Harbour go in the room, <laughs> and then <laughs> basically just try to take uh, talk him down to give him the freaking uh, documents, Document. yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, for the catalytic that, converter, that secret project. Yeah, the the converter, pretty much. And then he just ends up beating him up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was, it was hella funny too. Cause he's like, you don't make me do this and all that stuff. And just like very hesitantly giving him a beating. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was pretty brutal at the same time, <laughs> but it was funny. Yeah. You know what? That's, that actually, my that's actually my winner for, uh, for best scene, just cause it, it made me crack up because it was so awkward seeing David Harbour do that. I felt I was tempted to actually choose um, Matt Wirtz as my favorite character because, I mean, he was such a putz, you know? And, yeah. you know, obviously he was like, uh, you know, he was being secretive. You know, he had an affair. Really, he was a, you shouldn't like him as a character, but because David Harbour plays that character so well, 
you know, like he has that natural charisma. And then especially in this scene, actually, I actually um, got some of the dialogue from when he was about to beat down male forward. He's like, uh, I'm going to punch you now, sir. <laughs> And then, like, and then, he, and then, Melfort is like, "What the fuck, Wurtz?" And then, uh, <laughs> Matt Wurtz is like, "I'm punching you. This is going to be a punch." <laughs> it's like, it's something that you would hear from Patrick from like SpongeBob or something. I'm going to punch you, now, SpongeBob. <laughs> I know it was so funny. Oh man, I I I was dying when I when I was watching this ep- uh this uh part of the the movie. It was, it was so good. That was my favorite scene, easily. Easily, too. Yeah, so, well, I mean, we, <laughs> we went from, we're going from uh, talking about our favorite scene in No Sudden Move to our favorite part of the episode. It's the Guess the Rotten Tomatoes score where bragging rights and a title belt. I will, you know what, I will finally order it now that uh, a lot of stuff with work and everything is starting to come to fruition. I'll have more time coming up. And so hopefully we'll get that belt before the end of the season. Anyway, the current score, and it looks like Jeremy's got a little bit of a lead. It's currently 13 to 11. And so Mm. let's see if Jeremy can expand his lead or let's see if we can make things a little tighter in season two. And so Jeremy, do you want to guess what the rotten tomato score was for no sudden move? I feel like this one's going to be a bit hard, honestly. And I don't know how many reviews they're going to have on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, but my guess is going to be 71%. Ooh, okay. I was a little worried that (laughs) we were going to give the same score. I was like, no, oh, no. Well, I'm going to go a little higher, actually. I'm going to go with 77%. And so let's look this up right now. No sudden. And with a tomato meter of 88%, things are tightening up. Oh, man. Dang, 88. That's pretty high, actually. How many reviews? 67 reviews, huh? Yeah. I feel like there's going to be a little bit of variance. And so, um, actually, the audience score is lower. Actually, do you want to give a quick guess? Oh, yeah, I'm actually looking at oh, it right now. Oh, <laughs> well, never mind. <laughs> I'm guessing. 62%. <laughs> Whoa, no way. <laughs> you guessed it exactly. <laughs> oh, shoot. But yeah. Dang, that's crazy, though. Yeah. That's pretty low. You know what I think? Um, I could see how, I mean, just for me, you know, just watching it the first time, you know, I felt like you really have to be paying attention because. There's a lot of kind of swerves going on, a lot of backstabbing and everything. There's a lot of subtle um, dialogue mm-hmm. that is within the movie. And you don't you spend a lot of time just trying to figure what, out what the plot is. But I think by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, OK, I get it. Second viewing mm-hmm. is where it's at. Anyway, um, I guess the updated score for season two, things got a little tighter. You still have that lead, but it's now 13 to 12. And we've got, what, three more movies left of season two. So, whoo, it's heading Uh, down to the wire. There we go. All right. So uh, let's hand out our final award of the episode. It's the I Love You 3000 Award, where we rate No Sudden Move, a rating between 1 and 3,000. So, Jeremy, what would you give it? 
I'm going to give it a 2160 out of 3000. Uh, I did like it. So that's roughly around 72% or so. Uh, I did like it. Um, but I, I probably would have rated it a little bit higher, like I said. But I think as time goes on, uh, and I only watched it once, uh, that my score went down just slightly. I still really enjoyed it. Just watched it because I feel like uh, streaming is really convenient. But I do find myself like um, abandoning movies like midway or something more often when you stream, obviously. Um, but this movie, I watched it all the way through. So I was pretty invested in it. But I would probably say a 72%. Oh, interesting. Um, for me, I gave it a 22.29, which is roughly about 74.3%. And you know what's funny? Even though it's a higher rating, I felt like I was still a little bit disappointed. Because actually, um, after the first viewing, I was already thinking about giving a, a rating similar to yours in the low 70s, like 71. But I think... Just kind of rewatching it right before uh, recording this episode, uh, watching it a second time, it maybe kind of appreciated a little bit more of the the nuanced dialogue and and a lot of the twists and turns of it. That's why I was able to kind of bump it up a little bit. Mm, yeah, I could definitely see how people wouldn't like this movie, but I can see how people can really like it too. So I do feel like it was a bit of a mixed thing, but I do I did like it overall. Yeah. Same, same. All right, Jeremy. Well, I mean, we've kind of wrapped up this week. Do you want to actually preview what we have going on for next week? All right, man. It only took uh, two years until we could get the next MCU movie, and that's going to be Natasha Romanoff returning in her own solo movie that takes place after Civil War in this year's 2021 Black Widow. Dude, I'm going to be, I'm pretty excited for this movie. If you listen to the the newsreel just this past week, you know, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I was not as excited as I was maybe a month ago, but now thinking about how close we are and I think um, watching Loki and how that's been turning out so far, I'm pretty excited to watch um, Black Widow. I mean, by this time when you listen to this episode, we would have already watched it. But nonetheless, uh, I'm excited to talk about it on next week's episode. Yeah, so am I. I think I'm pretty excited as well. Um, it's going to be pretty cool that we're actually going to be watching the XD version too. And uh, we're going to be watching it opening weekend, obviously. And uh, just to be able to uh, just kind of be in the same theater. Uh, it, I, it can't get any worse, can it, than our F9 experience? <laughs> Oof. That was rough, man. <laughs> but at least it was only F9. Exactly. At least it was only F9. And so I, I hear some good things about it. I, I, obviously, I'm trying to stay away from any potential spoilers on, um, you know, for those of uh, of the fortunate few that have gotten an advanced screening of this movie. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to finally watching an MCU movie in the theaters again for the first time in a couple of years. And so, uh, Jeremy, before we call it an episode, do you have anything to plug for the upcoming week? Yeah, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm going to be JP underscore flicks. That's either on Twitter or on instagram yeah for me uh again i'm also on twitter and instagram uh you can follow me at free ken a and so uh jeremy do you have any final thoughts before we call it an episode on no sudden move 
Okay, yeah, I have one last thing, and it's just when I saw him, you knew I had to mention him. The son, <laughs> Matthew. I was like, no, he's back. He definitely would have been in uh, my cringeworthy. No, I'm just kidding. No, he did a good job in this movie. It just brought me back flashbacks into A Quiet Place Part 2 when uh, freaking Marcus was being dumb at everything but in this one he was actually being like pretty brave and stuff and actually did the right things yeah he was protecting his family in a way <laughs> he's protecting yeah. his mom even though uh charlie was just like just laughing him off such a dick <laughs> yeah <laughs> well anyway uh yeah no I, I i actually agree with you there um it's pretty crazy that we did catch uh two of his movies this uh this season anyway um Definitely want to thank all of you guys for checking us out here at the Weekly Reel Podcast, and uh, we'll see you next time on The Reel. <laughs>